Danny. Um, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi. Um, so I am a teacher and I live in a little town just uh, north of London in Hertfordshire. And it's this is where I grew up and went to school. And now I live here and, um, and work here as well. What age do you teach? Um, so I teach infant school. So my class are year one, uh, but I've taught year two as well. And how long have you been a teacher? This is my eighth year of teaching now. So I think I started in 2013. What kind of school do you teach in? So it's a two-form uh, entry school and it's an infant school. We've got a junior school um, attached as part of the Academy Trust. Yeah, it's in a fairly affluent area. Yeah, and is there much diversity in the school? Not so much. We've seen an increase in diversity over the years, but comparatively to other schools in different areas, no. So you've been a teacher for eight years since 2013. Could you just let us know a bit about your experience of um, teaching about LGBT plus history? We're quite a forward thinking school, I think. Um, and we so we started probably in 2015 following a PSHE scheme of work called Jigsaw, which includes teaching about different types of family and things like that. And at that time, that wasn't really, it certainly wasn't statutory. It wasn't said that we had to teach about that or anything, but we wanted to make sure that we were including that. So that was in like 2015 that we started that scheme of work. And then I was working with a colleague to get the enhanced healthy school status. And we, when the person came to assess, like we, we achieved the status and everything, but one of their recommendations was that we should be sort of displaying posters and things of uh, different types of families to to be more inclusive. It was really interesting because I'd, I'd thought about it and I'd thought about how personally for me, I'd always felt like we were lacking in that area of representation. I'd never really been brave enough to say anything because I didn't want people to feel that I was pushing my own personal views on them or anything like that because I'm gay and I didn't, I, I it was my own hangups that I had. But obviously, then we had this recommendation, which was great because it gave me the sort of foundation and the backing to go to my head teacher and say, oh, I, I really think that we should be doing this. I think it's really important. And I went away and did some research and I found the Stonewall list of books uh, for children. And I went to my head teacher, which I don't know why I was nervous about, because as soon as I went to her, I was like, I found this list of books. I think it's really important. I think it's so important for children to see different sorts of families represented and blah 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 and my head teacher was like absolutely completely on board with it she was like you're so right I don't know why we haven't already been doing this it was really positive and we bought most of the books off of that list which was amazing and then we so we started using these books in class and it was interesting because even though we'd been teaching about different types of families in PSHE it had been sort of contained to those lessons and not embedded throughout the curriculum. So when we started reading these books five years ago now, when we first started, you'd notice that the children would giggle when there was like 
two dads in the story or or two mums or anything okay. like that. They giggle, they find it funny. And that would then open up the conversation. And now when we read stories with diverse families in them, they don't even blink. It's such a nice sort of transition to see for the children. Because, you know, when we first started, that might have been their first experience, not in a taught lesson of, of hearing about those sorts of families. And I just think it's such a positive shift that we've seen. But then, so we were, we were reading the books and we were teaching it in PSHE and, and that was great. But over the last maybe 18 months or so, I was sort of thinking, what, what more could we do? How could we embed this further? So I went away again and I put, I think stories are so important. I think it's the best, one of the best yeah. ways to teach children about diversity because it's such an accessible way for them to learn. And so I went away and I found more books because what I'd noticed was the books that we'd bought in the first place, we keep them in a box and they're accessible to all the staff, but they're outside the staff room. And if you've got like, I don't know, a spare five minutes where you just want to read a story to your class, you're not going to leave your class to go to the staff room to find one of these books. I wanted to make these books more accessible to the teachers. So I went away and did some more research and tried to find some more diverse books. And this wasn't just books about LGBT families. This was like different religions, different and cultures and everything just to make sure that we were representing sort of the diverse nature of society because obviously mm -hmm. our children aren't necessarily experiencing that in the in the area that we live uh, so it's really important for us to make sure we are giving them those opportunities to to see these families and these people put together this book list and took it to my head teacher and said, I think we can be doing more. I, I think these need to be more accessible. I think they need to be in the classrooms. And I think the children need to have experience of, of, of all of our books rather than just keeping them in a box outside the staff room. So she was like, yeah, definitely. That's great. We bought loads of the books off of the list, which was amazing. And um, when they came in, I then sort of pulled all of our books and then separated them into seven boxes so that each class now has their own box of books and in the head teacher's office as well so that they can use them for assemblies. And then I put together a schedule yeah. so that the, box, the boxes rotate around the classes so that every couple of weeks they get a new box of books so that they're getting experience with all of the stories which is really good and then recently we've been having quite a few conversations because we're updating our RSE policy and we've been talking about um, I was having a conversation with a colleague and uh, we were talking about I was doing a lesson for LGBT History Month and we were talking about um, using the correct terminology, so lesbian, bisexual, mm -hmm. gay, transgender. Um, we were talking about using the correct terminology and there was a bit of conversation about whether it was appropriate at this age and obviously I was saying I think it's really, really important. And I spoke to my head about it again and we had a really, really positive conversation and she's gone away and she's sort of spoken with other other people um at county and things like that and now we're updating the policy to make sure that it states that we will be using the terminology we won't necessarily and we talked about the best way to do it and what best practice would be so rather than having a lesson that's like 
this is what a lesbian is and this is what a gay person is we were talking about it should just be natural we should be utilizing it we should be using it in everyday conversation so how can we make sure that talking about these families isn't just in pshe lessons and we were talking about thinking like in our maths lessons when we're doing word problems are we always having tim playing football and uh, Sarah playing with dolls? Or can we make it that Tim is carrying his handbag and he drops it and six pens <laughs> fall out? How many are left? <laughs> um, so that's more like Sarah lives with her two mums, her cat and her fish. How many legs are in the house? So we're trying to, re we're really thinking now about how we can make sure it's embedded across the curriculum and make sure that it's not just a, this is our gay lesson, which I think is really, really important to keep utilising it and keep embedding it. Yeah, amazing. Oh, I love that. How many legs are <laughs> <laughs> um, What do you think the importance is in using the correct terminology for LGBT plus um, from a young age? I think it's really important. I think it's so important to give children vocabulary to talk about things. So in our uh, sex education lessons, we'll teach children what a penis is, we'll teach children about testicles so that they've got that vocabulary to talk about it if they need to. Now, you may have children who are experiencing gender dysphoria at a young age and to be able to have a name to put to that to be able to to speak about it is so validating and important and I think if you teach it too late it turns into a taboo and it turns into something that there's shame around and it's like well, why have I not known about this sooner why why do I have to be a certain age to learn about this is it wrong is it there's all these questions that could be avoidable to sort of minimise any shame or anxiety that children are feeling about it. And also, it's not dirty. It's not a dirty word. Children shouldn't be sort of sheltered from it or, or hidden from it because it's not like we're teaching them swear words or anything like that. It's just giving them vocabulary. Like I teach them what magnificent means. There's no yeah. reason hide it from them and you've also got to think about the children who do come from LGBT families there was never a time where it was too early for them to learn about it so why is it too early for any other child to learn about it yeah it's, it's interesting I was thinking about this recently my uncle's gay and I remember finding out about him being gay and it had been hidden from or not hidden from us but I guess never really spoken about I remember being told that he was gay, but the way that it was said to me was like, it had been this big secret for a long time. And then we were kind of like, well, what does this mean? And then it was never really explained to us. Like he'd always lived with a woman who was obviously his beard. Like, I don't know. It just, it, and that was in the nineties. And for us growing up and finding that out, it was, you're right, like around that taboo. And why was it something that had been kept from us for so long if that was such a big part of his life? Exactly. And it creates this sort of secrecy and like then you start questioning, oh, if it's kept from us, is it because it's wrong? 
is it because it's gross or weird or like and then you start feeling strange about that person because it's like well I don't I thought I knew them but I don't they've got this big secret and I remember when I so I first realized I was gay when I was 20 and I think a huge part of that is because I grew up in this area completely unexposed to anything like that. There wasn't anybody who was visibly out at my school. There wasn't any conversations about it at school. There wasn't really anything in the media about it. I didn't have any friends or family members who identified as LGBT and I'd just never considered it and I remember when I was a teenager sort of not really understanding why I didn't care about boys in the same way that my friends did and thinking I was really weird and being like oh there's something wrong with me like why why don't I want to follow the boys around why don't why am I not trying to impress the boys why do I just want to be friends with the boys? Like I tried to have boyfriends and it was always like, oh no, I don't like this. It's not for me. Oh God, I'm weird. <laughs> and my default, my default was I'm weird. There's something wrong with me. I'm not being a teenager, right? Because I didn't even have the the sort of experience or the, I'd, I'd never had my eyes open to the fact that not every girl likes boys and that's fine. And I think it was, yeah, it was such a relief when I realized I was gay because I was like, oh, that makes sense now. I'm not weird. I'm just a lesbian. <laughs> I remember someone in my life at the time when I told them I was gay saying to me, oh, you're not going to call yourself a lesbian, are you? That's That's really stuck in my mind. And I think if there's more education, younger, using the correct terminology, we're going to have less people experiencing things like that. And that can only be a good thing. And it was well-meaning. This comment was well-meaning. They didn't think they were being offensive. They didn't think they were sort of minimizing my experience or anything like that. They just wanted me to be safe and they wanted me to yeah. not have horrible experiences and I think we we need to start we need to be using the terminology in order to to stop things like that happening. It's it's not a dirty word. Lesbian's not a dirty word. It's it's teaching that at a young age and getting that in infant school rather than it even being touched upon in secondary school, for example. Yeah. It's no longer a taboo because it's just part of the vocabulary. Exactly. If children are taught that and it is just so usualized and so everyday and commonplace, you'd hope there's going to be less bullying. You'd hope there's going to be less children being like, oh, you're gay. You haven't done this with a boy or like whatever. You'd hope that it wouldn't be something to bully someone about. Yeah. Oh, and thinking about how often gay was used as a slur, especially in the in the 2000s when we were teenagers, how many times I used that. And now just thinking about it, I wouldn't dare use. Yeah, I did as yeah. well. And it's, just, and it's, it's embarrassing. But it's funny that we don't say, oh, you're such a lesbian. <laughs> because no, no, uh, everyone's scared to say lesbian <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting as well though I think about even how gay people like male gays and lesbians are portrayed in the media and you see a lot more variety of gay men compared yeah. to lesbians 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also something I've thought about a lot because I know when I realized I was gay, I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is great. Like fantastic. Now what? At the time, like I had a girlfriend and I had nothing to base it on. I had nothing to base my first relationship on. It was like, I don't know if this is just normal for a lesbian relationship. I don't know if this is just how it is. And and you can say like, well, you know, a lesbian relationship would mirror a straight relationship. And, you know, what's right in a straight relationship it is going to be right in a lesbian relationship, which absolutely, yeah, the fundamentals, sure. But there are differences. And when you've got nothing to base a relationship on, you can find yourself in some hot water sometimes. It, it can be difficult because you you don't know what it's meant to look like. And you're just going along. And this girl that I was with to begin with, she'd had girlfriends before. And I was like, well, okay, well, this just must be normal. And, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a good experience. And it's like I, I do think a lot of it, a lot of what I let happen was down to just not knowing what I should be doing and obviously my own sort of my own it's not all down to the fact that lesbians aren't represented in the media or I wasn't taught about gay relationships yeah. in school but yeah I, I think a lot can be done but in the maybe, media to represent yeah. lesbians more. but maybe if you yeah but maybe if you had been taught about relationship like same gender relationships at a younger age there would yeah. probably be opportunity to talk about your worry, like any worries that you had, be able to reference it against other. Firstly, given the vocabulary, secondly, being validated by it. Like if it's not spoken about, like I've said so many times, if it's not spoken about at a young age, if it's made to feel other and it's made to feel different and, and it's like, oh, she's gay, like shh there's shame around it and so you don't want to talk about it can I ask a question this is just out of curiosity if a child in your class asked you if you were married or if you had a husband or a boyfriend what would you what would your response be previously I have always said no I'm not married no I don't have a boyfriend no I don't have a husband or anything like that to which their response is like always, oh, oh are you okay? Like, are you all right? Like, <laughs> I'm fine, hun, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. I, I'm, I've got this. <laughs> um, if that was the question, I'd probably just say no, I don't. If I had a girlfriend at the time, um, I think now having had the conversations that I've had around this at school recently, if I had a girlfriend at the time and they said, do you have a boyfriend? I'd say, no, but I do have a girlfriend. I think I would now, but previously I I absolutely wouldn't have. Because again, when I started working there, like there were people saying to me, like, don't tell anyone that you're gay or make them feel uncomfortable. And it is representative of the age of the people I was speaking to at that time, I think. And and my head has always been really supportive and said, you know, if you are, if if the parents find out that you're gay, we don't have a problem with it. It's it's fine. It's down to you if if you want that part of your life out there or not, or if, because people will talk. 
that's sad, but I also think that's their problem, not mine. It is their problem, not yours. And it doesn't stop you from being a good teacher just because you're a lesbian. No, no exactly. If I can, if I can do anything to help the children who I work with become kinder and more or happier, kinder, well-rounded people, I should absolutely be doing that. And if if giving them the this vocabulary and and these experiences and utilizing LGBT experiences is doing that, then fantastic. Like I'd want that for my children if I ever have them. And I'd want that for me when I was younger. Thank you. So obviously there's going to be times when you're not going to get buy-in from your colleagues. They might, as you said earlier, and there's a diff- like a generation between you and other, um, other colleagues. If you're taking this forward and you want to do that, being good to getting better, how do you get everybody on the same page? So, as I said, I'm really lucky. My head is very forward thinking with this and, and we've been having these conversations recently. Um, so we've planned in a staff meeting for teachers soon so that we can get it get it going or talk about this soon. And then we've got a an inset day coming up where all staff will attend. So we'll have TAs there, we'll have LSAs there, we'll have teachers there. And we'll just be talking about the RSE policy and how we're going to implement that. One of the things involved in that is talking about the fact we will be using the terminology lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, transgender how's that going to look for mm-hmm. our school? And we've said, I was talking to her about it and we were saying how we want to make it so people can ask questions. Cause I think a lot of the time people, it's not that they're, they're meaning to be unkind or they're meaning to make it this taboo or, or create shame around it, but they just don't know the right thing to say and they don't want to offend anyone. So we've, we were talking about how we'll make it a really open conversation. Are there any questions that you need to ask before we start using this terminology so that you're comfortable with it and making sure that everyone, yeah. everyone's on the same page and everyone can comfortably talk about it and answer any questions that come up from the children? Because children ask questions that's like 90 my 90% of my day is is answering questions that come out of nowhere so you might teach a lesson or you might read a story and then three days later they might be like why do some people have two dads or why was that girl wearing or why was that boy wearing a dress or why was that girl playing football and it's like where has that come from but I need to be ready for it so you don't want anyone to be caught off guard and be like oh some people have two dads and then they're panicked and they don't know how to answer it so we want to make sure that all staff Mm -hmm. are able to talk about it comfortably so that there's not like visible anxiety when someone's talking about it which the children absorb that anxiety. It's like, oh, they felt weird when they were talking about that. Probably a weird thing to be talking about. I won't talk about it again. So it's, yeah, I think having all staff on board and making sure you've spoken to all staff and got those questions and got those. And supporting them to be able to answer this is great. And just saying like, it's it's not bad for you to ask this question. No one's going to get offended. Like we want to do this right. So how are we going to do it right? And it's even just the whole thing with getting them on board, getting them to understand the importance. Yeah. And I think obviously teachers within your school are going to be in a very good, like good position because obviously you've got buy-in already, but 
also having um, you be able to share your own experiences and how it's previously made you feel can relate to the children like how they can relate that to the children yeah absolutely and and how if you left it out of the curriculum how that could impact someone I think that's the thing like intentionally avoiding the conversations intentionally excluding it from the curriculum makes it shameful and makes it a taboo and that's what we're trying to avoid You've, you've got to have these conversations when they come up and it, like let them come up naturally. You've got to be able to have these conversations to make sure that we're minimizing any shame that the children could potentially feel and to make sure we're not supporting any potential bullying behavior that could come out of children. Thank you. Just one final question and it's just a general general question about inclusion but how do you think people can be more inclusive within the education sector and schools I think one really important thing is quite often people will say oh can you tell your mum and dad blah 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 we we've absolutely made a point of saying you don't say that you say can you tell your grown-ups because not only because because of LGBT families, but someone might not have a dad, someone might not have a mum, someone might live there with their grandparents. It's just more inclusive. So I think saying grown-ups rather than mum and dad is really important. I think reading stories that reflect LGBT characters is, particularly for our age children, so important. Because I think when I looked at the stories in our school, it was like, God, it's this is the characters that are animals or like a mum and a dad and that's it and it's all like a white mm-hmm. mum and a white yeah. dad I think giving children uh, stories and then letting them ask questions about it it's fine for them to ask questions they're children they've not experienced this before so they're going to have questions and the questions are going to be probably like oh why is there two dads And then you can have a really nice conversation about it. And it's not wrong for them to ask that that question. Then you can give them that vocabulary so easily. You can say, oh, well, maybe they're gay or maybe they're bisexual. I don't know. But some people have two dads. Lovely. And you can sort of guide them through that without making it weird and without making it an uncomfortable situation by being calm and by being sort of usualizing it. Like I said, I think also it was really interesting when I've been having these conversations recently about embedding it further into our curriculum and it was so nice to hear my head say like I know we're good at this but we can always be better and I think that's a really good thing to think it's like you might think you're doing a really good job but how can you do it better that's how you keep yourself moving forward because I thought oh we're, we're doing really well with this like I love reading my stories to my children I love the fact that they don't laugh at two mums anymore I love it that they don't talk about boys' colours and girls' colours and boys' toys and girls' toys. But how can we do it better? How can we embed it further? Because that's so important. And I think getting it into your maths problems, getting it into your sentences in phonics, looking at your cortex in English and thinking, okay, so maybe I'm reading these stories and that's lovely, but that's sort of a five-minute activity. Can I do like a whole two-week unit of work on a story with two dads in it? Can I do, can I get the children to write about it? How can I make it more every day? I think that's the thing. How can I make it more every day? How can I utilize this? How can I do better? Amazing. Thank 
Thank you so much, Danny. This has been really insightful and a really good conversation. You're very welcome. It was lovely to talk to you.